0: Now, if you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn to John chapter 16 and Isaiah chapter 54. Now, in John chapter 16, Jesus is getting his disciples ready because he knows that he's about to go to the cross. He's about to die. He's about to be raised from the dead to prove that he truly is God and has defeated sin and death. And then he's going to ascend back to heaven. And his disciples, they're not quite ready for this yet. And so Jesus is trying to prepare them for what's about to happen. And he's giving them a little pep speech, I guess you could call it. And he's saying, hey, the world is going to hate you. And they're like, all right. You know, I can imagine these people are, are taking notes. Okay, what's Jesus going to tell us? This is going to be important. This is going to really revolutionize my life. It's going to encourage me. And so, and then he's like, people are going to kill you and they're going to think that they're pleasing God by doing this. And I imagine the note takers are like, Wait, What? This isn't building up my inner man. What's going on here, Jesus? And then he's like, You won't see me for a while. And they're like, What are you doing here, Jesus? Is this some kind of joke going on? And then he says, And all of you are going to abandon me because your faith is weak. All right, Jesus. I'm just going to go home now, man. I'm depressed. And as Jesus gets done saying this, he tells them uh, in 1633, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is telling his disciples these terrible things that are about to happen to them so that they can have peace. Does that seem a little bit counterproductive to any of you? like, okay, so you want me to have a lot of peace, so you're going to tell me that people are going to hate me and they're going to try to kill me and that my faith is going to be so weak that I'm going to abandon you. I feel peaceful now, Jesus. Thank you so much. I, we can do this now. But when Jesus says it, he's making them this guarantee, and guarantees are a part of our modern marketing world, and Jesus is like, I can guarantee you that you are going to have tribulations in this world. Now, some people say that that's just applying to Uh, us suffering because we're following Jesus. No, the word tribulations uh, is sometimes translated as troubles in some of your Bibles, but the actual Greek word for it means an oppressive state of physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. And some people say this is only talking about what's going to happen in our life as followers of Jesus for the cause of Jesus. But this is for everybody. This is what the world has to offer us. And it's not just Christians who go through oppressive times of physical, mental, economic, and social oppression. That's something that the world gives to every single one of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Jesus is saying that for every one of us, because we're a part of this world, We're going to have times where physically we struggle. We're going to be sick at times. He's saying that you're going to have mental health issues at times. You're going to have emotional issues. He says that socially you're going to be rejected by people, maybe even by family members or spouses and people that you love and hold dear to you. And he says there's even going to be financial hardships for you. This is what the world has to offer us. And I imagine the disciples are getting even more depressed right now. Like, wow, I thought you were about to establish the messianic kingdom and we were all going to have our little thrones and reign and rule with you. And instead, you're telling us that life is actually going to be pretty difficult. But the key to this whole scripture is the next sentence where Jesus says, But take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, the word take heart, what it means is that we can be marked by courage. It means that we can have boldness, that we can have a confidence even as we go through all of these things. And the reason for it is because Jesus has overcome the world and the systems and the patterns of the world that we live in. And when it says overcome, the word literally means to win a military victory, to completely vanquish, to destroy your foe. So Jesus says that you can have peace in me even as you go through terrible hardship and suffering in your life, because I am the victorious one who has overcome all things inside of this world. Now that's incredible to me. That's good to know and that's why we have peace. We can boldly and peacefully walk through life no matter what the struggle is that we're going through because our God is so good. He is a God who is so powerful that even the hardships that we endure, he first came and identified in them with us. He knows what we're going through. He's been through the worst of the worst. Economically, socially, he was rejected by his own people. The only 12 people in the whole world that really he had close relationship with They ran away from him in his hour of need. They denied that they even knew him. He knows what it's like. He knows physically what it's like to suffer. On the cross, he went through more pain than any human should be able to bear. He went through tribulations. He's described as a man of sorrows. He went through everything that we go through and not only did he go through it, but he conquered this messed up, sinful, fallen world that we live in. And now because of that, He offers us his peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Have you ever seen someone where they're going through something terrible but they're just peaceful through it? And you're like, how on earth can you be so calm? How can you have peace when X is falling apart and Y has been destroyed? How is it they're able to do this? And a lot of times they can't even explain it. It's just that there's this peace that surpasses all understanding so that as you walk through the storm, as you go through the fire, As the tribulations surround you, you're able to walk with the peace, the divine blessing that God alone can give you. And the good news is that one day Jesus is coming again. And that victory that he has won over the world will be fully enforced. And there will be no more tribulations. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more mental health and emotional issues. There will be no more rejection of people. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. There will be no more sin, no more temptation. All of those things will be finally put away once and for all when Jesus returns. And this is what Paul says, that as we're waiting for this time, we can still have joy. It's not that we're just looking forward like Jesus life is just absolutely terrible now. Would you just hurry up and get here? We're waiting for you already? What's taking so long? He says, even as he's suffering, and Paul suffered more than anyone else that I've ever read about. You guys know, I love how Celeste last week was talking about he got bit by a snake. Like, that's a bad day. <laughs> I got bit by a garter snake once, and that freaked me out. I couldn't imagine being bitten by a viper and having everybody else just watch, watch waiting for you to die but he's stoned and left for dead. They break all of the bones in his feet three different times so that he can't walk around and preach the gospel. It says that he's beaten and flogged more times than he can count. He's shipwrecked and floats around in the ocean for five days in shark-infested territories. I mean, this guy went through some stuff. And then, as he's writing a letter of encouragement to the church, and he's sitting underneath the royal palace, which was where all of the sewage from the royals came down and it would fall on him. He's chained to the wall with rats eating at his feet. And he says, I count the present sufferings that I'm going through as nothing because of the incomparable glory that awaits me. He says that even as you're going through the worst tribulations, the worst sufferings and the worst hardships that you could possibly go through in this life, you can go through it with the peace of Christ guarding your heart and your mind. But also, as bad as it is, it's going to be nothing. It doesn't even compare to the future glory and the reward that awaits us when we step over onto the other side of eternity. He says it's like it won't even be a memory. It won't be worth remembering the troubles that we went through in this life. Is that a good God or what? I'm looking forward to that day. But I don't want it quite yet. Because we've got a lot of work to do as the church. There are a lot of people who need to know Jesus. There are a lot of people who need to be saved, set free, and delivered. And that's why Jesus waits. It's not because he wants us to go through hardships. It's because he wants more and more people to enter into his kingdom. And that's something that's worth us as a church enduring and going through some hardships for is so that more people can come and be made a part of this family that Jesus has brought us into. So we might suffer greatly in this world right now, but we can have peace. A peace that is found in Jesus because he has overcome the world. He's overcome the ways of this world. He's overcome the systems of this world that we live in. And right now as we suffer, It's for a short time. And the suffering that we go through is nothing compared to the glory and the riches that await us in heaven. So then why do we have tribulations? Have you guys ever thought about this? This is something I'm always thinking about. Like, Why do we go through these hardships? Like, Why didn't God just smash these things and get rid of them right now? And I already explained that a little bit, but this is where tribulations come from, is sin. Really, it's the easiest way to define it. The world was perfect. I would love that again. But then sin came in and it just destroyed the fabric of all of creation itself and it destroyed the fabric of the human spirit. And so there are different ways that we suffer. Is that one, we live in a fallen world. Genetically, we are not a perfect people. Uh, my, my tumors came because I have some really bad genes. I didn't know I did. Apparently, I do. And the, the, the tumors that I had were just the result of the fact that we live in a world and a creation that has been infected by sin. And so there are bad things that happen to you physically. Nobody's fault. It's just the result of sin entering into a perfect creation. And then there's also human decisions that we make. Have you guys ever made some decisions that led you to some tribulations? I remember as a, I think I was a sixth grader, I had joined the BMG CD Club. That led me, as a sixth grader without a job, too much financial tribulation. That was not a good idea. It was just a stupid decision on my part. But then there are stupid decisions that other people make that affect your life. And you guys have probably gone through that too. There's no one who's gone through any kind of abuse that deserved it. It might not have been anything having to do with their decision. It was that someone else made a sinful, fallen decision that then affected and brought tribulations on someone else. And then the third reason that we suffer through tribulations is because we have an enemy. And never forget that. And he's got a really concise and clear job description. It says this, steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. That's all that he does. And he will attack you And he will bring tribulations on you that might not be the result of nature, might not be the result of others' decisions, but it can be spiritual attacks that Satan wages on you because he just wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's a jerk. He's got what's coming to him. It's not going to go well for him in the end. It goes well for us, but it will not end up well for him. And that's a good thing. But even as we go through these tribulations, we need to always do it with the mindset of, yeah, there are troubles that we have, Whether through nature, through decisions, through spiritual attack, there are going to be tribulations that we go through. But we always have to look at it in light of what Jesus has done. Everything that we go through has to be put into perspective of the redemptive work of Jesus on this earth. We always have to come back to the fact that we have a victorious God. And so, here are three things that we, as disciples of Jesus, can have peace about in him as we go through tribulations. And the first is that no tribulation shall succeed. And that is a good thing. I love Celeste. She's like, yes, yes. (laughs) In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is addressing the people of Israel. And he's saying, look, what God was trying to do in you was to create a people God was trying to create a family. That's who you are as the nation of Israel. As you started out as one man, Abraham, that became a family, that now is this nation. It is then supposed to go into becoming a people of all nations everywhere. But instead of living as God's family, you've rejected God. And because you've rejected God, now you're going through a lot of tribulations. Life is not going well for you because you've rejected everything that God had for you. But he's giving them some encouragement too. And he says that there's going to come a time when you won't live as a defeated people anymore, but you will be a victorious people. And he says that the suffering that you're going through is going to be reversed. And and he says that there's going to come a time when God opens up the doors for all people and we're all able to come and to enter and to be a part of this family and to live victoriously in life. And this was prophetically looking forward to what would happen when Jesus came. When Jesus came, he brought salvation to us through what he did on the cross and now we live in this new age. We live in a new era where we are the recipients of God's divine blessings upon us as those who can live victorious through suffering in this world. And one of those blessings that God told Isaiah was going to happen is found in the chapter 54 of Isaiah in verses 15 through 17. And it says this, If anyone stirs up strife, it is not from me. Whoever stirs up strife with you shall fall because of you. Behold, I have created the smith who blows the fire of coals and produces a weapon for its purpose. I have also created the ravenger to destroy. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord." Again, God is saying, there are going to be troubles that you go through. He says that there are going to be moments of strife, but that it's not from me. See, God isn't some divine puppet string puller that orchestrates every human event and every human decision. He says that you're going to go through some bad stuff, but it's not because of me. I'm not the one that's causing the strife. Some people think every time they get a flat tire, it's because God caused it. Well, God doesn't cause flat tires, sharp objects do. God fixes flat tires. That's what he does. But what God's saying here is as you go through these times of strife, there's a warning that he gives to those that would try to cause strife against us. He says that you're going to fall because of that. And to us who are going through the strife, to us who are being oppressed, Jesus, or God says this through Isaiah. He says that there is no weapon that is fashioned against you that will succeed. It doesn't matter what it is, what tribulation you're going through. It doesn't matter what weapon it is that the enemy is using to try to destroy you. He cannot destroy you. That is a divine blessing that God has poured out on us as his disciples. It's more than just a divine blessing. It says that this is our heritage. This is the inheritance that we have from God. It's a part of our legal birthright that we have as Christians is that there will be weapons that come against us and they might nick us and they might scar us and they might hurt us, but they will never destroy us. They will never succeed in the purpose for which they were created. That's our divine birthright that we have as Christians. Here's what happens, though. I think especially for us as Christians, one of the biggest fears that I've always had growing up and, and even into starting a church and doing different things like that was that there was going to be something that would happen, that there would be some hardship that would come upon me that would keep me from doing what it was that God had called me to do. Have you guys ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God's called you to do something, but financially, something else has happened and now I can't do the thing that God's called me to do because I'm going through this financial tribulation. Or you might think, I'm supposed to be doing this but I'm going through this health issue and now that's disqualified me from doing what it was that God created me to do. And you feel defeated. You don't feel like this weapon has been useless against you. You feel like this weapon and this tribulation have completely defeated you and have disqualified you from doing what it was that God created and has called you to do. And there's no one that probably went through that more than the Apostle Paul. He was someone that was, as an apostle, supposed to go around, he's preaching the gospel, he's planning churches, he's bringing encouragement and correction to the different churches, he's explaining the mysteries of God. But then something happens to him. Because when he goes to the city of Galatia, he describes it as with a bodily ailment. And we don't know exactly what this bodily ailment was. There's some speculation. One of the popular theories is that he had an eye disease that caused his eyes to actually like, weep and to bleed or to even have pus coming out of them. I know it sounds disgusting, but that's one of the popular theories about what this bodily ailment was that Paul was going through. Another popular theory is that he was at this point recovering from having been stoned and left for dead. When you're stoned and left for dead, that's going to be a long recovery you are not going to be a pretty-looking person after you have been stoned and left for dead. And so Paul's sitting there and he's thinking, I mean, at some point this had to have crossed his mind. where he's like, I can't do this. I'm an apostle and I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to tell people all of these things about Jesus but I can't do it because of the bodily ailment that has now befallen me. There's this physical tribulation that's come upon me that's going to keep me from doing what it was that I'm supposed to do. And in Galatians 4, 13-14, he talks about this. He says, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, that's tough. When it says that my condition was actually a trial for you, that's bad. He said, But you did not scorn or despise me but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. This had to come as somewhat of a surprise to Paul, that he would receive this kind of a reception. Because if you had any kind of a physical ailment, you were not viewed as a messenger of God, but you were viewed as someone who had been smitten by God. It was God's divine punishment on you. That's why you had this sickness. And so Paul's trying to go to the city that has never heard the gospel preached before. He's going there claiming to be a representative of the true and living God and yet he has physical ailment that would make the culture think that he had been despised by God. He's going there and one of the things that he does as a part of his ministry is he preaches the gospel and then he lays hands on the sick and prays for them to be healed to prove that the message that he's preaching is true and that God is real. But he's got to be thinking, God, who am I to go and to pray for healing for these people when I myself am so sick that it's disgusting for people to look at me? If someone with weeping eyes comes up and wants to pray for you to be healed, like, let's not touch me, first of all. And you're not going to be filled with faith that you're going to be healed when that person is as sick as they are. But a miracle happens in this. This weapon that's been fashioned against Paul, this tribulation in the body that he's going through is no match for the calling of Christ on his life. And they receive gladly the gospel that he presents for them. Many people are healed. And it says that he's received as an angel of God, as Jesus himself. A church was planted. People were saved, set free, delivered, healed, and set on their way. No weapon that is formed against us will succeed. None of them. And it doesn't matter what the weapon is in your life right now. It might hurt very badly. It might have wounded you, but it cannot keep you from doing the things that God has set you apart and called you to do. In Christ Jesus, no weapon fashioned against us succeeds. Not only Do the weapons not succeed? But God uses the tribulations you go through to ultimately serve his purpose. Think about that. God makes tribulations serve his purpose. That's a mind-blowing one to me. In Romans 8, 28, Paul writes this. And this is one of the most overused verses in the whole world anytime you're suffering, but it's a true verse. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What things? The good things that we go through in life? The things that God has orchestrated and caused to happen? No. It says all things. Even the terrible, horrible, awful things that happen to us. It says that God uses those things for our good. When you think about Paul, he's got to be thinking, how on earth can my disgusting body possibly be a good thing that leads to good happening for me? Well, Paul originally wasn't planning on going to Galatia. His plan was to go to Ephesus or even farther west. He wanted to go way out there to these new places. But it was because of this bodily ailment, which again wasn't caused by God. God didn't cause the strife. But God was able to take something bad that had happened to Paul He was able to take the weapon that the enemy meant to use to destroy him and was able to use that for Paul's benefit and not just for Paul's benefit, but for the benefit of the entire city of Galatia. The only reason that Paul ended up in that city was because of the fact that he was sick and couldn't go all the way west like he wanted to. God is so good. He is so powerful. He has so completely defeated this world that every attack of the enemy... Every tribulation that you go through, he is able to use to bring good about inside of your life and to bring blessing to the lives of those who are around you. And let me tell you, when you're going through the tribulation, it doesn't feel like that. When you go through the loss of a loved one, when you go through the death of a dream or the failure of a business or a marriage that falls apart, It doesn't feel like this is something that God's going to be able to use for his good and for his glory. It doesn't seem like something he's going to be able to use to bring good inside of you and inside of the ministry that he's called you to. But there is no tribulation on this earth. There is nothing that you can go through. There's no attack of the enemy that Jesus can't use to further ultimately his plan and his purpose. That's an amazing opponent. When, when Satan's out there and he's throwing every attack that he can at you, and Jesus has taken those attacks around and he's like, hey Satan, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> Two people laughed. Thank you. <laughs> that's amazing. But that's how powerful our God is. And then, number three, the thing you need to remember to have peace as you go through tribulations is that God is with us in our tribulations. You're not abandoned. You're not alone. God is with you, and he's going through it with you. And it says this in Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. God himself goes with you. He never leaves you. He's emphatic about that. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And Jesus echoes this to his disciples as he's about to ascend to heaven. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We have a God who has all authority, He has all power. He's completely vanquished the systems of this world, of sin and death itself. He's able to make it so that no weapon that's formed against you can succeed. He's able to bring good out of the worst of the trials and the tribulations that you go through. And he never leaves you alone. You know, this really has been a message I've been thinking about in the last six months as I've been going through my physical stuff. And the greatest comfort to me in all of this, even in the times I was on the ground crying because of the pain was so bad, was in knowing that my Jesus never left me. And it brought me a peace that went past all understanding And even as I was laying on the table waiting for the surgery to begin, there wasn't an ounce of fear that was in me. And I'm being truthful and honest in that because I remember when I was in the hospital the first time in January uh, and the doctor came to me and it was a surprise to him and he said, Mr. Brown, uh, you have a tumor in your pancreas. And it it caused dilation and twisting of your common bile duct and it's of concern to us about cancer. And for a second there, my heart sank. Because I knew I have a church I'm supposed to pastor, I have a family that I'm supposed to raise, and I just don't enjoy pancreatic cancer either. And for a second there, I was scared because I knew what the implications of that could be. And in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, choose faith over fear. And that's what I did. And every time fear presented itself again, I continued to choose faith in my Jesus over fear and anything that this world could throw at me. And I've walked through this whole journey, aside from when they took the catheter out, without fear. (laughs) That was the one time my strength failed me. (laughs) But God has proved himself so good in my life and as I went through all of this, I saw that no weapon formed against me or fashioned against me could succeed. I'm here. I'm back and I'm better than ever. And we've got more to do than ever. And there's been a lot of good that's come out of this because as I sat there and I saw the broken and the sick people that were around me in the hospital, something stirred up in my heart. Something broke inside of my heart for them. And I said, God, From this day forward, I am more committed to praying for the sick for healing than I ever have been before. I might have had to go see a surgeon, and I'm grateful for my surgeon, but I am more committed to praying for your miraculous divine healing than I have ever been before. And there will be so much good that comes out of what happened inside of my heart as I went through that surgery than ever could have happened without it. And through the whole thing, Jesus has been so good. He's been so present. He has been there and he's given me that peace that I found in him because in this world, I had tribulation. I will continue to have tribulations, but I will also continue to have peace. This is what I want you to know this morning. This is what I want you to take away. Satan lies to you. He's going to try to bring fear into you. He's going to try to rob you of peace. And right now, every single one of you, you have some sort of a tribulation you're going through. Many, many Of you have several types of tribulations that you're going through at once. And you might feel defeated, you might want to give up, you might feel abandoned, rejected, smitten by God. But this is the truth, is that you are loved, that you are cherished, that you are highly favored. The truth is that no weapon formed against you will succeed. The truth is that God is working all things for your good if you are a disciple of Jesus. And the truth is that he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. The truth is that in this world, you will have tribulations. But you can take heart. You can be marked by courage. You can be bold. You can be confident. Because Jesus has overcome the world. Let's pray this morning. You guys stand with me. I feel like this morning God wants to do something special. I believe he does every Sunday. But this morning, if you're here and you're going through some tribulation and you need a real touch from God in your life to bring peace back into you, would you be so bold as to just raise your hand with me this morning as a way to say, God, I need you to do something inside of me. I need the peace that only you can bring me. Let's go to the Father now and let's ask him to give us peace. Father, we come before you this morning as your people. We come before you as your children. We come before you as those who are marked and defined by your presence inside of our life. We come before you as those who have a divine inheritance, a heritage from you, our Father. We have a promise from you that you will fill us with your peace. So God, right now, we ask that you would reveal the lie to us that we've been believing about this trial that we're going through. Would you show us the lie that the enemy's spoken to us that we've believed to be true? That there is no hope, that there is no way out, that we are defeated, that it can't be now. Expose that lie. And now, God, would you reveal your truth to us? Is God revealing some truth? Good. Father, you said that when we came before you and we brought all things to you in prayer, the promise is that the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts and minds. And so now, God, we ask that you would breathe your peace into every heart. You, the overcomer, You, the victorious one, would you put your peace into our hearts, God? And would you continue to speak to us? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.